What's going on, everyone? This is James here on Scales of Justice, joined with Elijah McCutcheon. Elijah, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, a little caught off guard because I did not know you were doing the intro, and I wrote it. So <laughs> that should tell you how today is going. OMG. Raw man. How are you doing, James? I'm doing good. I'm good. A couple weeks in, just trying to stay warm out here, man. <clears throat> Listen, it, it's cold. Yeah. It's cold. I'm not a fan, but... Mm -mm. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good, man. Man, but you know what's really cold? Hmm. We need some sponsors so that we can just slide them in every now and again. Like, you know what's really cold? Ben and Jerry's ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Stop today and get your Ben and Jerry's from your local Target. I feel like Target has Ben and Jerry's. Probably. Probably. They have most, most things. Like yeah. And you know what Target also has? is good resources for educational material. Mm. That's right, people. Today we are talking about higher education and social justice and the role that it plays um, in that development and in that conversation. Um, I'm excited about today's conversation um, primarily because we're going to go deeper a little ways than what we did when we talked about movies or books or entertainment or media um, and especially after the whole thing with critical race theory, mm -hmm. um, now we're going to go a little bit deeper because we're going to see how exactly this is impacting higher ed. So, you know, I'll, I'll start with the expert. You know, mm -hmm. you've been here for a while. Oh, we got a guest on today? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was talking about you, James. I was oh, talking about okay, you. Okay. Um, you're the expert because you've been here for a while. I'm still new to this, not true to it. Um so what is what is higher ed to you like you know before we even get to seeing how it intersects with social justice you know how would you explain higher ed you know is it this ivory tower we so commonly see depicted in media and in um, writings or is it something more yeah honestly the ivory tower concept is still alive because i i feel that uh though a lot of universities have strived to make themselves more affordable. There's always going to be people that still aren't able to access it mm. for one reason or another. Whether it be finances, uh, as far as tuition, those hidden costs of college, like yeah. food and books and all those things, the social aspects of it, uh, to transportation, reliable transportation. So there's always going to be some some ivory tower attached to it. Now, some have greater than others. Yeah. Right? Um, but a lot of times people don't see themselves uh, as like the college as their next step, which is fine. Mm. You have different ways of getting. So I see higher ed as something that is um, one of the ways that you can transition from high school uh, into the career that you would like to do or maybe it's the place that you find out what you want to do uh -huh. and you have some time to do that uh, before you jump into something uh, and so and, and then always the the outside of the career stuff mm. the yeah. the, um, the the things that we learn that help us be better humans in the spaces that we, we matriculate through whether that's our neighborhoods um, you know, our, our jobs eventually, whatever the case may be. Right. That's where some of that, that building and development happens. Wow. Uh, 
why'd you stop talking, James? Because you were going on a on a good on a good route. Sorry, I thought I was talking too much. <laughs> no, you're never talking too much. Okay, um, I agree. I agree with you. It it's it can have that form. I know that coming into it, I kind of saw it as that. You know, as this shining. Only the elites can have this. But I think as we've progressed as a society and an education, um, we've started to see the need for everyone to have it. Um, because the less people who are educated, the less, you know, ability you have as your company to hire those skilled workers. You They're only limited sometimes because of the education that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it's becoming a more open platform. Like, for instance, looking at Columbus City Schools here in Ohio, um, creating a partnership to where you can go once you graduate, you're immediately able to access two years of free community college. Mm-hmm. Now, that right there just destroyed a lot of limitations on education. Right. Because here's the thing, your first two years, you're often not sure on what you want to do, um, still trying to figure out who you are. But by creating that opportunity and what Columbus City Schools did, they're kind of taking away you know this idea of the ivory tower and Mm -hmm. so it is something more it is the place and this is from a current undergrad student Mm -hmm. it is the place where you are able to learn more about yourself and develop and develop who you are as a leader and in that development um you you experience things like there's been data that's shown that people who are college educated or have college experience are less likely to be homophobic in some areas or racist Mm -hmm. in some areas or generally um, anti-progressive ideas because when you come to college you kind of um if you're willing that's that's another thing too james like you have to be willing like a lot of people um, have to be willing to make the sacrifices of negating their assumed notion of everyone else mm-hmm. and now trying to figure out who that person is while you're there. And so the college experience in higher education is something more. Um, and one of the ways that it is more is the way that it plays, the role that it plays in social justice. Right. Um, and that's why we're talking about it today. And so I think one of the big things we have to confirm and knock out the way is this assumption or this belief, and we've talked about it earlier Mm -hmm. in the show, is do you have to be college educated to truly offer insight on social justice or to even fight for it? Um, And I think 2020 showed us no, you know, but, you know, could you speak more on that? Yeah, I, I would say that some of our greatest community leaders Uh, do not have a traditional college education or they um, they have received their education through different platforms yeah yeah or they have been able to really network based on their ability to navigate the workplace so they're able you know to get in and, and, and start at a place and get to know some of the decision makers that can have influence and you don't necessarily need a degree, degree to do that. That's more on the people skill end of things mm. than the degree side of things. So you can have a piece of paper and have very low social skills and right. still get nothing accomplished. Right. 
So if that's true, then the opposite must be true too. Yep. Um, so I think it's all about your knowledge of, because you don't need a college education to understand what's going on in your own community necessarily, mm. especially if you're the one going through it. Right. Uh, so it's, it's taking that, articulating it, and thinking to yourself, what could we do that is the best, like the most productive response for our community? Right. Who do I need to bring to the table? And let's strategize what we need to do to get the yeah. job done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a skill that does not take a college education in order to achieve. It could help if you have one. Mm-hmm. It could help some people kind of open their minds to like, okay, this is how organizing works. This is how strategic planning works. Uh, this is how maybe I get into spaces that I couldn't be in unless I was in this position of college or having a degree mm-hmm. because college does open up some doors there. But I would never say it's 100% you have to have a college education or be in college to be able to be effective in your community. Right. I agree. I think I don't think it should be a requirement or and I don't think that it should stop people from being in this fight just because you don't have the form of education. And the reason why I say the form of education, because just because people have a degree from a liberal arts institution or from any institution of any type does not mean that they have the necessary skills to be involved in the conversation and the skills to make an impact in the conversation um, for 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 where they're going. And so um, for me, I would say it's not necessary, but it helps. It helps because you kind of see, okay, how exactly was this created? Because history shows how these barriers and how these fields and how these setups were made and constructed in which it limited certain individual from women to um, men, to um, men of color, to women of color, to um, non-binary individuals and all of those different representations. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn about those different things, but it's only if your university or the place where you are currently at is focused on it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times what we unfortunately see is it only becomes priority when it's a trend mm-hmm. and not a priority because it's the right thing to do. It's called interest convergence, (laughs) which is is. one of the tenets of critical race theory. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's the fact that we only want to do something when it's in our best interest. And so with higher education and social justice, there's unfortunately been this this prime example of interest convergence where it's like, mm, like for instance, there's the story, I can't remember his name. Is it Bear Bryant? Culture Alabama? Yes. Yeah. To where um, for years they did not admit white, I mean, black students to mm-hmm. their university. And so the only way that um, he started to doing it was when he started getting beat in these football games. And he was like, you know what? We're going to have to make an adjustment. We're going to have to start letting in these students. And so – it's not that example isn't where we see in a way um, social justice being why it was, but usually because it was just a benefit for the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when it comes to those situations, yeah, higher education may not be the best way to go, 
But I do think that it creates an opportunity for you to learn that history, for you to learn, okay, why were these systems set up? What does that look like? How does that impact me as a person, as a human being today? And now what can I do to kind of dismantle that? Mm -hmm. Um, I've always looked at myself and said, I'm going to learn the system engage with the system to destroy the system Mm -hmm. because once you learn how it works once you see what it all does and all the roles of different plays now you can go in and be like okay this is where the error is this is where we can make the correction um and and do what's needed Mm -hmm. um yeah so the answer is no you don't have to be educated but it doesn't help and it, it it is a responsibility for all people i believe to engage in this fight in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from a, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle this from student and faculty perspective, mm-hmm. you know, what does what, what does fighting slash being active in the advancement of social justice look like from our various perspectives? So with you, with working in student affairs, and me just as a regular old student. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it comes in a variety of fashions, but one perspective is, First, you have to help educate people on what's happening around them and also help them process what's happening around yeah. them. Yeah. Because our perception of things can skew our reality of how we view our reality, um, whether that is an inter- internal thing or external thing. And so that's where, uh, you know, the, the term uh, that, that's coined where and the imposter syndrome, where people don't yeah. feel like, they belong in a space mm-hmm. um, that's kind of inter- internalized. And so we help with that sense. Yeah. Um, but also just if you've gone through school and you've learned, this goes back to the, to the CRT stuff that we're mm-hmm. talking about. And if you haven't learned a complete or true um, version of history, then you could be thinking that things are good. Like yeah. why are, why are people upset? Why are people complaining? Is it because people are ungrateful, right? You know, these mm-hmm. people, these are kind of things that are like, I, I thought we were done with all of that. You know, that was that was the last chapter of the textbook that we were, <laughs> you know. So if you go into college thinking that, then you're not going to see much need for you to act on behalf of social justice for whatever population of populations. Right. So what our office tries to do is catch people up to speed, like, hey, you know, uh, this may be the last thing you learn, but this is not the last thing that's occurred. You know? So right. let, let's talk about what that looks like today. It may not look exactly the same way necessarily, but it still happens and mm-hmm. it's still wrong. So how can we be part of the solution to that? Right. You really only have two options. You want to be part of the problem or part of the solution. Yeah. Yep. If you want to be part of the solution, let's talk about it then. And, and then it's looking at where, and we talked a little bit about this in the last episode of where uh, your spheres of influence are. Uh, a lot of people directly think of the university because that's where they spend a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people may be thinking about um, their place of religion, maybe their their home communities, uh, et cetera. Maybe even just their family, starting with their family. Uh, how how can you apply your strengths? First of all, what are your strengths? Mm-hmm. Second of all, how can you apply those um, in the plight for social justice? Mm, yeah. Once people understand 
what their role is in this social justice ecosystem, then I think people will have, be more comfortable and confident getting out there, more comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And engaging in dialogue because, to be honest, it's like every year we get students that come in, they have no idea where to start with mm, this. Yeah. They don't even know how to talk about it. Yeah. How are you going to do something about it? You can't even talk about it. Right. Uh, so we first have to be able to to be more confident in articulating that to each other and actually getting a chance to know one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think college is a good space to get past the superficial or surface level type of communication yeah. that we have in our society where it's like, you know, oh, yeah, hey, what's up? How you doing? Right. Do you actually want to know how they're doing? Like, if they stopped you and said, well, actually, I'm having a really bad day because blah, 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 blah. You're not going to sit around and listen to that. Right. There, so there, there's a breadth because you greet a lot of people, but there's no depth because mm. how well do you actually know those people yeah. that you greet? Yeah. Uh, so with that, you have to have some depth of that. First of all, in order for you to know how you best fit into this, you need once you find out what you're good at, you need to find out what other people are good at. So there has to be some depth there to be able to assemble your Avengers team, right? You, uh, have, you yeah. have to have different skill sets that complement each other. Mm-hmm. You can't have a bunch of visionaries that don't know how to put it into practice. Right. Or nothing's going to get done. Uh, so that's just an example, one example. So like those are some of the things that college helps you be able to do. It's not the only place that teaches that, but it's a really good place to do that because sometimes our um, – our neighborhoods and some of our schools growing up are uh, still very segregated. And because of that, we don't get a lot of communication and contact mm. with folks of various identities. College is one of those spaces where we get a chance to do that. Yeah. And if you have you know, faculty and staff that can harness that opportunity, uh, I think it makes it clearer once students leave and go into their respective work environments uh, and communities, how to be effective. Yeah, man. Oh, that was a that's a, that's so much good information. So I guess I'll tackle it from the student perspective. Um, it, it it it. I talked to a student last night, and it was about this whole when you brought up imposter syndrome. It really triggered that for me, um, because when you first come to a campus, especially at PWI, um, your first two years you're living in this bubble. And unfortunately, in this bubble, it's like, OMG, I'm really loved, I'm really cared for, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. And then, once you hit a certain point, you're just like, pause. What's really going on behind here? And then you wake up, and you have that, um, that place in your mind where you're like, yeah, I need to realize that where I'm at, especially as a student leader, and I talked about this in one of the papers I wrote, um, as a student leader, especially for me as a student leader of color, um, there's a there's a responsibility that comes with that, mm. with the platforms I'm given, mm. to offer spaces where people who don't have those opportunities are still represented and their voices and their issues are heard out. What it looks like being involved in social justice on a campus is speaking up and making sure that you're at every meeting regarding your population and other populations to where they know that you know you're doing your best 
Now, it is important to also make time to where you can still be a student, you know, to where you're not draining yourself. But it's also important to know that there is a responsibility, you know, with us as human beings, I believe, in trying to make the society we live in better. And we cannot do that without conversation and constant communication and constant growth and development with the people around us Mm -hmm. you know when it comes to these issues so when it comes to a social justice issue or topic speak up about it be loud make sure that they understand that you will be there to help hold them accountable a lot of times what happens is the students make a call they make a cry they make a protest but no one makes sure that they're held accountable and no one makes sure that they are you know being held you know responsible for everything that they said that they would do to make this experience better for students and so it is our responsibility to make sure that that exists and that's one of the things that student leaders have to consistently battle with or wrestle with when it comes to this and it's a very very hard and long journey but it is something Mm-hmm. something that we can do. Um, and so I guess one of the last questions that we're going to ask today is, you know, what is the one thing that members of the higher education space can do to advance the equality that we want to see? Mm. Okay. One thing, one okay. thing, because I here's the thing. The one thing question always gets me because there are 50 billion things that you can do to make it better, but we can't solve everything. <laughs> right. Uh, it's hard to summarize. Okay, so I'm I might cheat and do one and a half things. Okay, so I don't care. It, it first it takes every level of the institution to be going in the same direction. Right. On the same page and at the same time. Yep. So it's just like if you're in a, you know, three-legged race or in a, you know, whatever, and you're depending on people to be moving at the same point as you, or else it's going to slow you down. Right. Someone's running really fast, the other person's running really slow. You're going to fall, you're not going to get there. Mm-hmm. So it's imperative that it whether you're a cabinet member, whether you're, um, you know, tenured, uh adjunct, a director, assistant director, coordinator, or a contracted employee. Like, whatever your your role is at the university, you need to be thinking about what does equity and inclusion look like yeah. in my spaces. Yeah. And you don't have to have high touch points with students in order to implement that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people think, well, I really don't connect with students all like that. Um, it doesn't matter because you connect with your coworkers, right? You? you know, uh, so that still you're making decisions that affect people that you may never even see. Mm-hmm. So how can you, you know, even, I don't care if you're just creating forms as a job right. for people to fill out. The the boxes that you have for people to check, you know, the the demographics that you cover. Are you thinking about everything? Are you adding some things? Even if it's just something as simple as. Um, you know, pronouns, offering people to put their pronouns or a preferred name in there. Just that can mean yep. a lot for people. Um, you know, just stuff, stuff like that, little stuff like that. So that that make that's a big deal. 
So I would say to be thinking about what that, what does that look like in, in your spaces. And you have to be able to do that in a sense that, and this is where the half part comes mm-hmm. in, where you are thinking about, does this mean that I need to take up a different type of space, mm-hmm. more maybe more of a space, or do I need to fall back and take up less space? Mm-hmm. And this is where stuff gets tricky, and this is why a lot of initiatives don't move forward as as much as possible even if everyone's saying the right thing right it's because you can't just want diversity on your own terms you can't just want equity inclusion on your own terms that's not how this works right uh and so i think people want to prove that they are quote unquote woke which i despise that term (laughs) right because woke is more of like a uh a completion Mm -hmm. like oh i'm woke i'm awake well, you're constantly learning, or at least you should be. Right. So if you're experiencing an awakening, perhaps, that's more accurate than being woke. But when people think that they've got it together and they want to go out there and prove, then sometimes they take up too much space. Yeah. And they miss the mark because it doesn't matter to them what other people are saying. They think they got the answer, and they think they're going to do it. And they, a lot of times they miss the mark. So that's kind of the, the overall thing. I think if people do do those things – more thing, more good things will come. More progression will come, and it will come quicker. Yeah. Wow. Oh man. Mm, okay, I'm gonna give this from the student's perspective. Um, the one thing that, like I said earlier, is to speak up. A lot of times, and this is gonna sound so crazy, but people don't know what they don't hear. And a lot of times we often assume that schools just know what's going on. And the truth of the matter is a lot of them just don't, whether it's a big institution or a very, very small one. If no one brings up the fact that, you know, um, oh, shoot, I let the water running in the bathroom, you won't know until you look around and your carpet's wet. And you're like, (laughs) wait a minute. Why is the carpet wet? And then someone's like, yeah, it's been, that water been running for a long time. But then was anyone going to say anything? We thought you knew. And it's like, <laughs> no, I wouldn't know, you know, and th- I, maybe I should know, but I just didn't until someone reported it and brought it up to me. So I would encourage all students, make it clear what it is that you're experiencing at your university so that they know so that they can make the effort to change it. And then when they say that they're going to make an effort to change it, hold them accountable to it. Create a list of things that you want and keep track and record of it. And here's the thing. Oftentimes when this happens, those student leaders are in their junior or senior years. So the impact that they just made doesn't last for a while. So I would encourage you to create a way for it to be stable and consistent so that more students are able to have those places where they know, okay, the groundwork's been laid, let's continue the steps forward. Mm. And, and, and that's, really, that's really, really vitally important. And I think one of the other things that you can do, and I know it's going to sound crazy to any students listening, 
faculty and staff, you may be used to this one. But I would encourage you to read some materials, watch some documentaries mm -hmm. on these topics, especially with higher education and its roots in social justice. Um, so, James, do you have any book recommendations that you would offer to us? I know I'll go ahead and give mine. Um, this is one of my favorite books that I read over winter break. It is How to Be an Anti-Racist. Yeah. I love that book. Mm -hmm. I think that everyone should read it and learn more about it. Let me read a quick, a quick um, description so that you all can, can, can understand how important it is um, to do it. So um, the, the name of the book is How to Be an, um, an Anti-Racist. It is written by, hold on, it's coming up. What is happening? <laughs> what is happening? Technology. I know, it's awful, awful, awful. Okay, it's by um, Ibram X. Kendi, mm -hmm. um, and it blends social commentary with memoir. Um, and it basically, you know, it, it, it tells you how you will become a better person by revealing how ingrained racism is in society and how to stop it. And it highlights in various areas how education plays a huge role in that. And there's another book called Democracy in Black and White by Lewis Gates. Henry Lewis Gates, I really want to say. Um, and that book I read during 2020, and it was one of my favorite books of all time. And he talks about everything from education to the housing market, mm -hmm. all of those different things. And so I would encourage you to read those two books. What about you, okay. James? Uh, if I had to pick two. Now, you can listen to our second episode of of the podcast. Yes. And hear some others, because we go into more detail, more of a a breadth of different types of yeah uh, social justice but uh, one of them that comes to mind is thinking about you know maybe some of you out there um, have younger siblings that you spend a lot of time around uh, maybe some of you are our parents and you know you're raising a little human so yeah. uh, social justice parenting by Tracy Baxley is a, is a pretty good one mm -hmm. I've heard some good things about that and it's really uh, how to raise a young person to be uh, compassionate, empathetic, and responsible when it comes to that, and open-minded and stuff. So, because a lot of that is is the the foundation of it is yeah. how we are raising mm -hmm. children. Yeah. Um, because people aren't just going to come out racist, like you know, that's a that's a learned behavior. Someone's teaching them that. Yeah. So we have the opportunity to not teach them to do right. that. <laughs> so. Uh, you know how how do we do that effectively? So that's that's one piece. Um, I would also say that culturally responsive teaching and the brain by Zenyatta Hammonds was really good. Uh, a colleague and I did a um, a three part workshop for some high school teachers using this text, and it is applicable uh, even if you're not a teacher. Uh huh. Fact, you know, a professor. Even if you're not. Uh, it's still effective. It really breaks down what happens when traumatic situations happen um, in the brain. How does that affect people's ability to learn and navigate education wow. effectively? How does that affect them in the household? 
um, all those kind of things. And so I think in, in addition to yours, I think putting all those together, you can you can think about the different uh, areas that you're that you're in and, and how to be effective in all those spaces. Wow. Well, you can't say the scales of justice never gave you something. That's right. <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yes. Um, well, we hope that you all have enjoyed the conversation on today. Um, hopefully you'll come back and join us as we continue in this exploration on the scales of justice. Content is coming, so you better be ready. Get bricker, 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 bricker ready. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's cold up here in Columbus, but hopefully it's warmer where you are. And if it's not warm, well, I hope you've got a blanket. <laughs> but listen, catch us next time right here, same place. There's not a time because you're probably watching and listening to this at 2 o'clock in the morning. Which is fine. Which is fine. Or on your way to work, which is also fine. Just, you know, hands on the wheel at all times. That's right. <laughs> but we hope that you all have a great day. Once again, my name's Elijah. And I'm James. And this has been Scales of Justice. We'll see you next time. Peace.